Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Last class session we talked about From Dusk Till Dawn and this class session we're going to talk about Tarantino's Jackie Brown. So Pulp Fiction was such a massive success um, that Tarantino knew there was no way he was going to top it and it was such an epic film in so many ways that there was no way to out-epic it either. So he decided to try something different. He decided to throw the audience for a loop and go instead of trying to go go over Pulp Fiction, he decided to go under. Instead of trying to be bigger than Pulp Fiction, go quieter, go smaller. He figured he could do a more character-based film, a more mature-feeling film, um, the kind of movie people would expect from him, like in his mid-40s, you know. Um, so he's looking for material, and and he'd always wanted to adapt um, something from from the great crime novelist Elmore Leonard. The, the difficulty with that is is a lot of people have tried to adapt Elmore Leonard novels, and a lot of them hadn't really worked. But we, he says in, uh, in the book Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino Interviews, in the interview, Quentin Tarantino on adapting Rum Punch, moving the story to L.A., Elmore, Elmore Leonard's opinion. That's a very long-ass title. Um, very long title. Um, he said, Leonard is deceptively difficult to adapt, and Rum, Rum Punch is not the easiest of his novels to adapt anyway. He is difficult because basically you want to keep everything and you cannot. Sure enough, there's this big section that you try to get rid of, but there's one piece of information important for the plot buried inside of that entire section. So you have to find a way to get that organically into something that it was never in. I, didn't, I, I did not want to do a Reader's Digest version of this novel. I remember something Stephen King said a long time ago when he saw the Burt Reynolds movie Stick. He said everything that happens in the Elmore Leonard novel happens in the movie, but I don't have the feeling that I have when I read an Elmer Leonard novel. That was sticking in my head because I wanted to have that feeling. The way to have that feeling was to truly invest in the characters so they're not just movie characters doing movie plots. The first hour of the movie is pretty well hanging out and getting to know these people. That was my track into getting it. So Quentin challenges himself by adapting something. It's, to this day, it's the only adaptation he's done. And not only that, but he, he chooses to, to adapt some of the most challenging material ever because you can go on and on and on and on and on about stuff in a novel. You can't do that in a movie. Audiences expect to get in the movie theater and get out a couple hours later. But Quentin did everything he could, and he keeps almost most of the book. The only things he changes aren't really plot-related. Um, he changes the location from Miami to Los Angeles. And one of the reasons he did that was because Elmore Leonard lived in Miami and lived in, or at least knew Miami and knew, knew Detroit. And that's why he puts all of his novels there. Well, Quentin doesn't know those places. He knows Los Angeles though. So he's like, well, I'll just put it in LA. I'll put it in South Bay. I know that area. And then, and then the biggest thing that he changed was, um, the character, I think was originally named Jackie Burke. He changes to Jackie Brown and he changes her from a white woman to a black woman. And so in another interview, he talks about uh, another interview entitled The Mouth and the Method. He talks about Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and my scripts for True Romance and Natural Born Killers take place in my own universe. This movie doesn't take place in my universe. This is Elmore Leonard's universe. And it was interesting to make a movie outside the little universe I created. I used a different cinematographer to get a different look. It still looks great, but it's just a little more down to earth, a little less like a movie movie. I like building sets. In Jackie Brown, I didn't do that. Every single scene in the movie was shot on location. So everything Tarantino does, does. he adapts somebody else's work, set in their world, not his world. His world's very big and loud and over the top. 
in this world, everything's much more real. It has this reality to it. It's it's down to earth, as he puts it. Because again, he was trying to go under Pulp Fiction, not over it. And so that makes him do things differently. Hires a different DP. He gets Guillermo Tavaro, brings this different look and feel to the film. Um, he doesn't go out and have them build sets. He shoots everything practically. It's all in practical locations. And this film's just much quieter. If you if you haven't seen this movie, I don't think there's anything I can prepare you for it. I had had people tell me, look, it's very different than every other Tarantino movie. I was like, that's all right, I'll watch it anyway. And sure enough, I didn't like it because I was expecting a Tarantino movie. No matter how many times people have told me it's different than everything else, I still wanted Tarantino to make a Tarantino movie. And that's not what happened. It, <laughs> it he did, but he didn't. It you know the dialogue is all there. You know that kind of stuff. The you know he still does a little bit of the nonlinear stuff. You know that 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 depth of character is all there. There's still some exploitation kind of elements to it, but it's almost more far distant homages. And then there's all these other things like the look and the feel, like the practical locations, like some of the other stuff we'll talk about. It's still not. It's this is not a Tarantino movie in the same way. But that was the point. The idea was to go a different direction. One of the things that he talks about in another interview called Quentin Tarantino, Press Conference on Jackie Brown. That's a real original title. Um, he says, the thing I'm coming from is listening to music to be a guide to a movie. That's the beat or rhythm the movie's to play at. I fancy Pulp Fiction as a modern-day spaghetti western. The surf music just fit in there perfectly. In the case of Jackie Brown, old-school soul is the rhythm and feel Oh, not high-energy stuff, but Bill Withers, the Delphonics on you here. That's how we're supposed to take it in. Once I decided that, it became the easy process of diving into my record collection and finding the right pieces. Tarantino very rarely has done a score. He's only had one score done for him. Everything else, no, two scores. He's had two scores done for him. Everything else is practical music. It's, it's, it's music um, from his record collection in a lot of cases. Sometimes other movie scores. And the first time he did that was in this movie um, because Harvey Weinstein came to him and said, um, I need, you know, this movie needs more music. You know, you got to find something. He's like, well, I can't go get a score done immediately. And I don't have any other music that I, you know, I mean, I've kind of pilfered my, my record collection and, you know, it's too late to get a score done because they had like two weeks to release it or something like that. So what well, wasn't it? And Harvey said, isn't there some score you could get from another movie that some old movie that you like? He's like, yeah, I guess I could do that. Same thing. You just license that. Yeah, we could do that. So he pulled, um, the score from the original coffee. Um, which is a movie starring Pam Greer. But one of the other things that he did to kind of help sell this, this idea of making it quieter was he borrowed something, he borrowed something from acting. And that is kind of going moment to moment, not being so goal oriented, but going just moment to moment. And so what he would do is he he wouldn't do a shot list, wouldn't do storyboards unless there was something he knew he absolutely had to have. Like, like if he needed a crane shot, he okay, you gotta tell them that so that they can get the crane for you, you know, stuff like that. But no shot list, no storyboard, and just he, the actors, and maybe the DP Guillermo Navarro would step onto the set, and he he'd run the scene with them a few times, and just kind of see what was happening that day. And just kind of see how the scene was developing that day. And then from there, he and the DP would decide what shots they want. And, you know, do this, do this, you know. We'll get this shot, we'll get this shot. And just kind of let let the coverage and the filmmaking come 
intuitively, instinctively, organically um, from what the actors were doing, which is a really interesting idea. And it's, it's definitely something you can do after you've directed two other movies or after you've really immersed yourself in the filmmaking process. It's not something I would recommend you start doing, but it is something that you can do if you know your story. It's something that you can do if you know, like we talked about with the Reservoir Dogs, right? If you know the material better than anybody else, that's something that you can do. And it helps create a natural fluidity. But it also keeps things quieter because since a lot of it's just dialogue anyway, it's a dialogue-heavy film, it's a character-heavy film, you, uh, you end up just kind of focusing on the characters in the room. You're not... Um, and since you're not building the world from scratch anyway, there's only so much production you can design can really do. You can't repaint the walls. You, you can't move too much stuff around, you know, because you're limited on space anyway. Um, you know, you can't production design the crap out of it. You can't light the crap out of it. You can't, you know, there's just some things you just can't do when you're shooting in a practical location. And so by just choosing to focus on the actors and what they did that day, that really helped inform how to shoot the movie. So, you know, that's that's kind of all I got for this movie. Um, hopefully there's there, there were some good nuggets in there. Um, I, mean, I I could talk about casting. Everybody wanted to talk about casting, though. And casting is always the thing that I talk about when I don't have anything else to talk about, quite honestly. You'll know I'm kind of forcing an episode when I talk about casting. So, yeah, I mean, that's all I got for this class session. In a couple of weeks, we'll talk about the faculty. And then we'll do Spy Kids and Spice Kids 3D. So we'll have this big run of uh, Robert Rodriguez films coming up. Uh, don't forget to check out the latest experiments in the Rodriguez method on the Hitchcock University YouTube channel. Um, that, uh, that's, uh, those, those come out the first of every month. Um, and then I've got some, some supplemental materials with those as well. Um, and you can keep track of all that, uh, by following, by liking the Hitchcock University Facebook page or by following us on Twitter, which is at Hitch underscore U. Um, and then on top of that, if you like what you're listening to, if you don't like what you're listening to, oh, well, of course, you can su subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Um, if you like what you're listening to, if you don't like what you're listening to, whatever, um, give us a comment, a rating, a review, a like, an unlike, an uh, angry emoji, a happy emoji, whatever you feel like. Uh, wherever it is you listen to this show, whether that's uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, what have you. Um, yeah, that's... Oh! And, of course, you can always reach out to the podcast through Gmail, HitchcockUniversity at gmail.com. That's our email address. Um, yeah, thank you again for listening to Hitchcock University. Um, I've been Taylor Bickle. This has been Hitchcock University, where you learned filmmaking from the masters. Uh, thanks so much again. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.